This is Cambridge Judge Business School's online knowledge centre, with expert commentary, analysis, and insights into the issues of the day. The hour between dog and wolf, risk-taking, gut feelings, and the biology of bloom and bust is a gripping insight into the environment of a city trading floor. Written by former Wall Street derivatives trader John Coates, it's the story of traders caught in a bull market that turns into the great bear of 2007-8. Dr Coates, now a senior research fellow in neuroscience and finance, describes how the traders make and lose money and how their bodies influence their behaviour. His book is more than just narrative. He uses research carried out in Cambridge and the city trading floors of London to track hormonal influence on thought and behavioural patterns. Over a two-week period, he tracked the testosterone levels of 250 traders, comparing them with their daily profits and losses. They scored above-average profits when their testosterone was significantly high. Dr Coates' conclusion, the hormone drove them to take more risk. But first, where did that title, The Hour Between Dog and Wolf, come from? It's an old French expression going back to the Middle Ages, but in fact it dates back further than that to about 200 AD in Latin. It refers to the time of day, twilight, when you can't really tell whether an animal coming out of the woods is either a dog or a wolf, but it also refers to the moment of transformation, when a dog, when people during the Middle Ages thought you could actually transform from one animal into another, like a tame dog into a wild wolf. So what prompted you to use that expression for the title of the book? In our research here in Cambridge and down in the City of London, we're looking at the way the body and particularly chemicals and electrical pathways of the body, can transform risk-takers and change their behavior. So the title is to refers to that process of transformation. What did you find in your research? We're looking at the way the body affects the decisions you make. I used to be a trader. I ran traded derivatives for Goldman Sachs and then ran derivative trading desk for Deutsche Bank on Wall Street for about 13 years. And during that period, I... F- observed in myself or felt in myself this change taking place when I was making above-average profits or above-average losses. And I noticed it amongst my fellow traders as well. It's something I thought that economics had not focused on. There's a tendency in economics to think that financial risk-taking is a purely cognitive activity. They used to think that cognitive activity was purely rational, Behavioral economics came along and said that, no, it's more quirky than that. It's not necessarily irrational, but it doesn't operate according to the model of of rational choice. What none of them had done, as far as I'm concerned, is actually observe what was happening to traders when they were caught up in a winning streak or a bubble, or on the other hand, a losing streak and a crash. Because it's a fundamental piece of scientific data that's been overlooked that traders change you feel this narcotic effect when you're making a lot of money and expecting a large bonus. And that shifts your preference for risk. You start taking much more risk with um, worsening risk-reward trade-offs, and you eventually blow up. So we've been trying to identify the molecules and the nervous pathways in the body that contribute to this transformation um, that would account for these shifts in risk preferences, which we think destabilize the financial markets. How close are you to identifying those chemicals? Well, we've got a pretty good start. We're not doing this research from scratch. We're drawing on a lot of existing research, dating back decades, really. We were initially looking for what might be called the molecule of irrational exuberance, the chemical in our body that causes traders during a bubble or winning streak to take too much risk. 
we are applying a model from animal behavior called the winner effect, in which an animal that has won a competition is more likely to win the next round of competition. It's a very robust statistical finding. They wondered what mechanism was driving it. When they looked into it, they found that rising levels of testosterone were causing the animal to uh, take more risks, to become more confident. It also increased their hemoglobin and thus their blood's capacity to carry oxygen. So we just applied that to the financial markets very mechanically. So it was, a, it was already a, a beautiful model, robust model. And what we found was very good preliminary evidence, A, that the winner effect does exist in humans as well. In fact, they, they've observed it in athletes, so we know it exists in humans. We observed it in, in traders. And we found that it was, in fact, shifting their risk preferences. So we've got really good preliminary data to suggest that rising levels of testosterone in young male traders, when they're on a winning streak, are actually shifting their risk preferences and causing them to take too much risk. I think a more interesting finding was the research we've done into the stress response in uh, the financial world. When the volatility of the market picks up, when traders are losing money, when the volatility of their P&L, that's their profits and loss, increases, the stress response in their body kicks in. And that has an incredibly powerful effect both on their body and their brain. We think that it causes risk preferences to shift in the other direction so that it causes the financial community to become risk-averse just when you don't want it to, that is, during a crash. So we think that these two molecules, or these two, I wouldn't focus on just two chemicals, because when we talk about testosterone, it's really just one molecule in a body-wide preparation for competition. When we talk about the stress response, we could talk about adrenaline and cortisol, which is a steroid hormone, but they're really just two players in this body-wide preparation for an emergency. So we think that these two physiological reactions to above-average opportunity or threat are shifting risk preferences and not causing financial market instability so much as exaggerating it. We don't think testosterone, for example, causes a bull market. Lower interest rates do, new markets, technological breakthroughs, uh, regulatory changes. But there's a big difference between a bull market and a bubble. And we think once a bull market gets going, the physiology is strong enough to morph it into a bubble. Same with a bear market, that the physiology is strong enough to morph a bear market into a crash. And the danger there is that this physiological reaction is so strong that the financial community might actually become price insensitive, which means that it's not sensitive to interest rates anymore. And that may help account for the fact that central banks have had a very checkered record at stopping a bubble with, with raising, by raising interest rates or curing a crash by lowering them to zero. Within this, are you saying that the body actually interferes with risk-taking? Really good question. I'm glad you asked that. I think that's not the case. I think the body has been beautifully constructed to optimize our performance in risk-taking. It gives us fast reactions. Reactions occur a lot faster than consciousness can keep up with. It provides us with gut feelings, which they found are not only real physiological entities, but are required for efficient decision-making. So in answer to your question, usually our body and brain are beautifully synchronized to optimize our risk-taking. And the more we've looked into the, the biology of risk-taking, the more we've realized that what we're uncovering is just a universal biology of risk-taking shared by athletes, by soldiers, by politicians, and by traders. And normally, as I say, that biology of risk-taking works very, very well. It's just occasionally under situations of extraordinary opportunity or threat, the biology can overwhelm us and shift our risk preferences a bit too much. How do you put all of this lot into a book? Because that, that was the real challenge for you, wasn't it? Yes. The book is actually written for the general reader. 
I wanted to explain the biology behind Wall Street, behind the city. Um, not only when the biology can become unbalanced. I mean, so far in our discussion, we focused on how the biology can destabilize risk preferences. But most of the time, our biology is just beautifully crafted, as you'd expect, given that it's the endpoint of a very long period of evolution, to guide us in risk-taking so that we have the fast reactions we need to re- respond to news as it comes in. It's very exciting work in physiology that's identifying Um, dedicated pathways in the body that carry gut feelings. It turns out that they're real physiological entities. So I wanted to communicate the excitement of this research um, and this novel perspective on viewing the city. The further I got into it, I realized I was going to have to explain to the general reader how a trading floor worked. So it's an awful lot of information. The best way I'd come up with for uploading that amount of information was to tell a story with characters. So it's a story set on a trading floor with characters And as they place their bets and we follow them through a bull market and then a bear, we observe their behavior and then I zoom inside their bodies to describe the physiology that's driving their behavior. So it's sort of two two threads of a story twine around each other. There's more extensive research being undertaken. I sense that the more you do, the closer you get to uh, Cain's animal spirits. Yeah, definitely. Keynes really understood that there was something uh, beyond rationality at work, what he called a, a spontaneous urge to action rather than inaction, animal spirits. So in a sense, we're just working on what Keynes was working on, only he didn't have much biology under his belt and he didn't really know the, the biology that was driving animal spirits. Dr. Coates, thank you. This programme was produced by the Cambridge Judge Business School as part of its online broadcast series. Music